It's a privilege to serve you as your pastor, and it's also a privilege to be helped in that ministry by several able men who are able to preach. And I'm convinced that any type of widespread revival that we would wish to see in our land, in our city, in our state, will come through two veins. One will be consistent, gathered prayer as the people of God, and the second will be a revival of passionate, zealous preaching of the Word of God. There is no other way. So I'm encouraged by the presence of many in our church who have been willing to step in and fulfill the assignment to pray and and help me uh, let Beth not experience church every Sunday as a single mom. So I enjoy being blessed by the Word as well. So I'm going to pray, and then Brother Pat will come to preach for us. Father, we thank you so much for this day for all that you have done for us. We do not walk in an awareness of how much you have done for us. And so we ask that you would remind us, as your word is preached, of all the things that you have done. (coughs) Would you pray that for yourselves in this moment, that the Lord would remind you of his faithfulness to you and to those who have come before us. Father, we also pray uh, for the one bringing the word and ask that you would fill Brother Pat with your spirit and your words, that the words of his mouth, the meditations of his heart would be pleasing in your sight and would be strengthening to us and that we would hear and be receptive. Would you pray for a spirit of hearing today? Father, we we love you, we trust you, and I pray that you would do with this time as you will for your glory, for the glory of your Son, Jesus. pray these things in his name. Amen. Brother Pat. Okay, since we're doing the last parts of Hebrews there, I will read uh, 32 through 39 in chapter 11. And I am going to talk about Samson. And for those who are familiar with Samson, he occupies chapters 13 through 16 in uh, Judges. We are not going to read all four of those. Go home and do that yourself. I will try to give you a summary and some inspiration from that. But I do want to read the uh, last part of Hebrews. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again, Some men were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. 
All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. What a legacy that is. And from the book of Judges, I just, I just want to read one verse and then I'll refer back to others. This is Judges 14.4 and this tells us the state of Israel and why there were judges. Israel had become sinful and disobedient to the Lord. They had adopted the customs and lifestyle of the Philistines. God raised up Samson to make coexistence with the Philistines less comfortable. Now, how would you like to have that as your job description? Because <laughs> you're not going out to win friends and influence people. You're going out to wreak somewhat of havoc and make things uncomfortable for the people that were oppressing the Jewish people at that time. Even so, his own people didn't understand totally what he was doing because they didn't want to get more grief from the Philistines. But God had sent Samson to do these things, and he went about doing them. Samson was the last judge in the period of Judges. And uh, like I said, he was brought forth by the Lord to oppose what the Philistines were doing. Now, one thing that we need to learn a little bit of the background about Samson. Samson had a career of 20 years. It doesn't sound like that when we talk through these verses and everything, but he had a 20-year judgeship starting in the year 10,070 B.C. He was the last judge of Israel. And Samson's hometown was Zorah, which was about 14 miles west of Jerusalem. So he was right there in the middle of the country. Now, Samson's name was derived from the Hebrew Semes, S-E-M-E-S, and it meant son. And the parents named him, his parents named Samson because he had what they thought was son-like strength. That's the thing that we always think about when we think of Samson, that great strength, like when the lion attacked him and he just tore it apart and everything. He was a man of great strength. Uh, he was not an oaf because he was pretty intelligent, pretty quick-witted, and uh, he certainly had some battle of wits with the Philistines with when, he, when he did his little riddles and rhymes and stuff with them. Um, the Israelites, this is their hard thing to understand. They had grown complacent with the Philistine do, uh, domination that was established uh, through more through the infiltration of how they did trade and everything like that. As much as we think about the Philistines as being very dominant over them, they were not physically dominant a lot. They did not attack them. They were more subtle in the way that they established their domination over the Israelis. But the Israelis just laid down, so to speak. They just accepted it and... God sent someone like Samson because it was time to wake the people up and to get them moving and to get them out of what they had done. 
there was an attitude of great danger for them. And they, as a whole, did not really want to accept what Samson was doing because they thought there would be repercussions with them. And uh, they didn't want to really acknowledge that Samson was called by the Lord to go out and do these things, to go out and push the envelope a little bit, so to speak. So he did not really always have the support of the people behind him. And this was the fact that God had called the Israelites to be separate and to be distinctive and to be, a, be an example. They were supposed to present the Lord by the way that they lived their lives. They were supposed to be attractive to the people for people to see them living the lifestyle under the Lord's leadership. They were to be winsome, that old-fashioned word. They were to be attractive, and they were to draw people to the Lord by the way that they conducted their lives. We know, unfortunately, they didn't always do a great job with their job description. And they were easily cowed, so to speak. If things didn't go exactly the way they thought they should, or if they weren't comfortable, uh, they kind of drew back, and they didn't really do what they were supposed to do. Now, as Christians today, what is our job description? We are to present Christ by the way that we act and do. So before we get too judgmental of them, do we always present Christ by the way that we conduct ourselves? I hope in terms of being honest, doing respectful things, being polite to people, that we do that part of it. But the other part of it is we should present the love of Christ by the way that we reach out and touch other people, by the way that we have influence over or influence people by our actions not by force or anything like that. The real way that we make people see that being a Christian is really something to hope and wish for is by us being loving and kind people that reach out to people that are in need, that are there to help people when they have moments of trial at work or other places like that. When we see somebody in need, even when we don't know them, sometimes we reach out, can reach out to them on the street. Sometimes it just means talking to somebody who's walking with their head down and seems to be really troubled by life and nobody <laughs> speaks to them and we just say hello and speak like that. There are many different ways that we can show that love of Christ. And then there are, of course, the t opportunities that we have with coworkers or family when they're going through a trial to spend time in prayer with them and things like that. But you can't just go and pray for a lot of people until you establish some type of relationship with them. So we're called to be outgoing people that present the Lord by the way that we live our life. And like I say, we're winsome and attractive by the way we live our life without being overly preachy because that's not going to work real well either. If we're up just, you know, preaching the law to the people and not having a relationship, not being involved in their life, not wanting to show Christian love in the way that we act and the way we treat people, we're not going to ever be able to do the other things. Now, unfortunately, when we look at Samson, he wasn't called to do it that way. 
He was called to be bold and assertive, but it was a different time and a whole type of different situations. And the Philistines had totally dominated the Israelite people. So there there was an attitude of great danger for the people, and Israel had exhibited this docile attitude towards the Philistines. And Scripture tells us Samson was sent to change that. He was sent to be a thorn in the side of the Philistines. And this peaceful existence was a great menace to the people of, the, of, of, of people of God or people of Israel. And as I said, they were called to be separate and distinct so that they could be salt and life to other people. Let me read real quickly uh, the, the start of Samson. This is in Judges 13. The Israelites did again what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines 40 years. There was a certain man from Zorah, from the family of Dan, whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, It is true that you are barren and have no children, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now please be careful not to drink wine or other alcoholic beverages or to eat anything unclean. For indeed, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You must never cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth and he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Now, what is a Nazarite? Real quickly, we'll cover that. Uh, the Nazarite vow, uh, and, it, it, and, and, and the word Nazarite means devoted or consecrated, and it was a vow of separation unto God, abstaining from fermented drink, refu- uh, refusing for having to have the hair cut, avoiding contact with dead bodies. Now, we will know that Samson didn't do such a good job of that because when he went out and took care of things, he was very physical and he caused dead bodies for the Lord. But we just have to understand that that's what he was called to do at that time. Nazarites were usually uh, a Nazarite for a limited amount of time. But Samson was called to be a Nazarite of the God for his whole life. And if we go back, and we won't try to read all of this right now, but even even the way Samson's mother, she became a Nazarite in the way that she lived when Samson was conceived. And she lived that way through his birth and all of that that went on. So this was a, definitely a lifestyle that was not just easy. It was a lifestyle that was separate, and it was concentrated to the Lord. And... Samson was to be a Nazarite of God for all of his life. And that we're told that in Judges 13, 7. Most of the time that people were called to be a Nazarite, like I said, it would be for a certain period of time. But Samson was called to be one for his whole life. Manoah, who was Samson's father, prayed for the angel to return 
to them, he and his wife, and teach them how to raise their son. So the angel of the Lord came and he repeated all his prior instructions to them. And when that was done, Manoah sacrificed a young goat with a grain offering. And the angel of the Lord ascended in the flames that came up from the sacrifice, showing that he, the angel of the Lord, that they had accepted that sacrifice. Manoah's wife gave birth to Samson, who grew up under the blessing of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord began to empower him to deliver Israel. And Samson's leadership as a judge of Israel did not take the form of leading an army against the Philistines. He was chosen to be a lone champion for the cause of his people. So, in other words, God pretty much made him a one-man army to uh, carry forth for the people against uh, against the people that were oppressing the Israelites at that time. Now, we won't try to go through and read or go over all the things that Samson did. But the Philistines had so uh, cowed the people that somebody needed to stand up for them. Somebody needed to oppose them. And Samson went about it in many different ways. Um, In chapter 14, he told his parents that he had seen a young Philistine woman and that uh, he wanted to marry her. And uh, we know Samson is really blunt, so he says, now get her for me as a wife. (laughs) So can you imagine as a, a young man, you walk, you walk up to your parents and say, I saw this woman, I liked her, you go get her, and she'll be my wife. Probably wouldn't work too well today. First thing I, most parents would say, are you crazy? Uh, and then say, we don't even know anything about her. But that's how Samson went about it. So there, this young woman was in Timnah. And his father and mother said to him, Can't you find a young woman among your relatives or among our people? Must you go to such uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? But Samson told his father, Get her for me because I want her. Now his father did not know that this was from the Lord. And, you know, when we hear words like that, you know, a blunt, go go get this woman for me because I want her. But we have to realize that the Lord Lord was using Samson to push this conflict with uh, the Philistines. And uh, so in our way of thinking, Samson is rude and blunt, but he was being obedient to what the Lord had called him to do. So, get her for me because I want her. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother, and they came to the vineyards. And on their way, this this lion jumps out roaring at them to attack them. And Samson, with the strength, he just captured the lion and tore it apart and killed it. Uh, This will come to factor into the story a little bit more as we go on. He didn't tell his father and mother what he'd done, and he went and spoke to the woman 
And then, then his, he went and spoke to the woman because Samson wanted her. Uh, after that, he returned back to get her, and he left a road to see where the, what, what had happened with that lion carcass. And a swarm of bees had deposited honey and everything. So while Samson was there, he dipped and ate of the honey from that lion carcass. And this will factor into the story a little more as we go forward. He returned to his mother and father, and he gave them some of the honey. But he didn't tell them that he scooped the honey from the lion's carcass, which, you know, that violated all the Jerusalem, I mean, the, the Jewish people's uh, rules of uh, cleanliness and everything, that you didn't do things with dead animals or anything like that. So that's probably one of the reasons he didn't tell his parents where this great honey was that they were eating had came from. His father went to visit the woman that uh, they did, because in those days the fathers would go and talk to the woman that they're betrothed to and everything like that. So Samson prepared a feast, as young men were accustomed of doing, and when the Philistines saw them, they bought 30 men to accompany him because they'd heard about the reputation of this guy, Samson. So Samson said, let me tell you a riddle, and if you can explain it to me over these seven days that we're going to be here feasting and everything, I'll give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you can't explain it to me, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. Well, tell us your riddle. Let's hear it. He said to them, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. After three days, they didn't have any clue how to figure out what this riddle was. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, persuade your husband to explain this riddle to us and uh, or we'll burn you your household, your father's household, and everybody there will be killed. So Samson's wife came to him, and she was weeping, and she said, you hate me, you don't love me, and you told my people this riddle, and you haven't explained it to them. He said, I haven't even explained it to my father or mother. So why should I explain it to you? She wept for seven days. And on the last of the seventh day, he explained it to her because she had nagged him so much that he couldn't stand it. She explained it to her people and on the seventh day before the sunset. So the men came to Samson and they said, What is sweeter than honey? What is stranger than a lion? So he said to them, If you hadn't plowed with my young cow... You wouldn't know my riddle now. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord took command of him, and he went down to Ascalon. And this is hard for us to understand because this is not the way we operate in our society. But he went down, and the Lord allowed or had Samson kill the 30 men. He stripped them all their clothes, and he were in. And, uh, to those that he explained the riddle to. Then he returned to his father's house, and his wife was given to one of the men who had accompanied him. So after all this, he doesn't even really want that wife. I could say it's hard for us in our society today to understand a Samson. So later on during the wheat harvest, 
Samson's going to take revenge. So he takes a goat as a gift. He visits his wife. He wants to go in a room with her, but her father would not let him enter and be with his wife. I was so sure you, he hated you, the father said. I gave her to one of the men who accompanied you. Isn't her younger sister more beautiful? Why don't you take her instead? Well, Samson said to them, this time I won't be responsible for how I harm the Phil- Philistines. So he went out, he caught 30, 300 foxes, excuse me. He took torches, he put them from between their tails, he lit them and let them run through the fields, and they destroyed all the crops of the Philistines exacting his revenge upon them. Now, let me remind you one thing. This is hard for us to understand. The Lord was aware of all that Samson was doing, and he was using Samson to try to incite the Philistines against them to show Israel that they didn't need to be like the Philistines. He also, The Lord also knew that he was going to use Samson in a great way to be the person to exact his revenge upon the Philistines. But the people didn't know that, and they were all kind of cowed, and they thought, why are you doing all this? Why are you bringing all this grief upon us? So Samson, in that sense, did not have any of the support of his people, so he had to kind of be, you know, that steel, hard-headed, to just not listen to the noise, to the resonance of the people Because they're saying, why are you doing this to us? And he went forth and he did what the Lord told him to do. And uh, it's hard because it means that he's like a one-man army. He has no support, but yet he goes forth and he does. And we listen to the stories of Samson and we think, well, what a harsh, terrible man. But he was doing what the Lord told him to do, and he was doing it by himself with no support. Can you imagine what that must have been like? But he goes forth. So he burned up all the piles of grain and everything, the vineyards, the olive groves. Uh, The Philistines said, who did this? And they were told it was Samson, Timnite's son-in-law, because he's taken Samson's wife and given her to another man. So the Philistines were so upset by the fact that this was setting Samson off and they didn't know what to do. Another horrible side effect, they went to her and her father and they burned them to death. This is not a story that just gets happier and happier as we go. (laughs) Then Samson's told him, because you did this, I swear I won't rest until I take vengeance on you. Even though he was upset with them, he did not want them killed. So the story gets worse. Because you did this, well, he tore them limb from limb with a great slaughter, and he went down and stayed in the cave in the rock of Edom. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, and they're taking all this out on the Jewish people. They raided Lehi. So the men of Judah said, why have you attacked us? And they replied, we have come to arrest Samson and pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went up to the cave at Etam, and they asked Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? Why have you done this to us? I have done to them what they did to me, he answered. We've come to arrest you and hand you over to the Philistines. 
Now, we know that Samson was more than able probably to stand against all of the people that came to arrest him. But Samson showed restraint. He says, swear to me that you won't yourselves kill me. And he says, no, we won't. We won't, we won't kill you, but you, we'll tie you up securely and hand you over to them. So they tied him up with new ropes, and, he had to, and they ter- took him away from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came to meet him shouting, and the Spirit of the Lord took control of him, and he just tore those ropes off by flexing his muscles. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and he reached out with his hand, and he took it, and he killed 1,000 of the Philistines. For us, this is a very gory story as we go through all of this. I know that. But the Lord was using Samson against the Philistines who had done horrible things to the Israelite people. So we have to keep that in mind. But this is still a hard story for us to just grasp and think about the way we live our lives today. And then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in a heap. With the jawbone of a donkey, donkey, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw the jawbone away and he named the place Ramah-Lehi. He became thirsty and he called out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory through your servants. Must I now die of thirst? And um, God split a hollow place in the ground at Lehi. Water came out and after Samson drank, his strength returned. And he revived. And then he named that a special name. And he judged over Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Now, the next part of the Samson story is Samson and Delilah, but for what I'm covering, I think we're just going to kind of stop here now and, and go back and take a look. Why do you think, and I'm not asking you to answer this, I just want to ponder it, why would you think that God would raise up a man like Samson to do his work, why would he have a man like Samson do all the things that he did? And what did that show the people of Israel? And I just want you to kind of ponder on that. I'll try to answer some of those in some ways, but the people of Israel had become so cowed and they were so defeated that they needed someone to come and to be a champion for them. And God rose up Samson to be that champion. Samson didn't ask for that job, but he was called to it. And he did accept it. And we know that as Samson went forth, he did everything that he did in the power of the Lord. He wouldn't have been able to do those things without the Lord working in his life. And he was called to be a liberator. In one sense, he was a a, a foretelling of the work that Jesus Christ would do. Except when Jesus Christ came to do the work of liberating the people, he did it by, of course, living a perfect life and being a perfect sacrifice for them so that there was remission of sin by the fact that he took all the sin upon them. And when people believed in his name, that, uh, 
that cleansing of sin is transported to them, just like it is to us today. But at that time, in the economy of how God worked then and what was going on, he used Samson in the same way as he used Jesus. It's not as palatable to us when we think of that. But at the, at the time, that's the way God chose to lift that oppression off the Jewish people. Thank goodness that we live today where we have a Savior that died for us. He took all his sin, our sins upon him. And when we accept him, he tells us that we belong to him and no one can take him us away from him. He even tells us that those that are in my hand, the Father's hand is closed around them and they cannot be taken from me. What great assurance we have in that salvation that he provides us and how he takes care of us. But it's a different time, and he was doing the same thing through Samson as the Lord does through Jesus Christ today. And for us, it's hard sometimes to wrap our minds around the, the kind of brutal existence that, that existed here and did this. The one thing that did happen, though, is we know that Samson had uh, quite an ego, and we know, and I'm just going to do the, the brief wrap-up here, but we know that when he was so enamored of Delilah, he played games with her. She asked him all different ways to tell what his weakness was, and he would tell her something that was wrong, and then he would prove that that wasn't it. But finally, he felt, he told her that his strength and power laid in his hair or was born in his hair so she got him to fall asleep and with his head in her lap she shaved all the hair off his head and then she called the guards and they came and took him away because he was powerless without that we know that the story gets a little worse there too because they actually gouged out his eyes and they put him to work and because he was strong he did this grist or this meal, and he labored doing that. But the words of Scripture said, while he was laboring and doing the deeds and being demeaned by them, the hair on his head began to grow. And we know so much so that one day when his hair had grown again, he went into the temple, and even though he couldn't see, and he'd been mistreated and was asked to do all kinds of strengths, acts of strength to entertain the people he walked back in the temple and he told the ones that were guiding him to put his hands on the temple towers or the, the walls and we know that he shoved those towers down and all the people of the philistines the government the leaders and everything were killed and god delivered the people from the philistines through samson's last act so sometimes we might be shocked that in the, the hall of fame, so to speak, a man that was what we would call violent and kind of crazy and uh, certainly not always what we would want to call sophisticated, his name would be included. But Samson did everything that the Lord wanted him to do. And he was willing to die to accomplish that. 
So we need to keep that in mind today when Christ calls us to do things. Do we have a zeal to accomplish things that the Lord puts in our life like Samson did? Now, we're not going to be called to die most of the times, though we do have missionaries and people that go, and they end up giving their lives for the Lord. But it does mean that we need to have a heart like Samson to do when the Lord leads us to do things, when we're called to do things, to go and do those. Sometimes it might mean going up and talking to people about our faith in a place where we would feel uncomfortable because we don't want to be obtrusive and things like that. But we need to think back on these great heroes of the faith because when God called them to do things, they did them. We need to have that heart. Abba Father, we thank you that we have such a great and wonderful God. We thank you for such a great salvation that you've given us. We pray that we would never take that lightly and that we would cherish the fact that you loved us so much that you would die for us. And we pray that when you point people out to us and you give us opportunities, that we always would be ready and eager and able to do your bidding and to speak of you and praise your name. We ask these things in thy name. Amen.